This is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for November 14th, 2016. Hi everyone, I'm Pius. Today we hear from Michaela Streeter, principal and lead teacher for The Life School, an independent high school in Atlanta, Georgia. The philosophy of The Life School grew from Michaela's experience in computer science and education, starting at MIT and Stanford. And she's here on Skype to talk about all of that. As you'll hear, The Life School is distinctly different from the traditional high school. And so, Michaela, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your school, the Life School? Sure, yeah. So our school, the Life School, is an independent high school in Atlanta, and our focus is on empowering students to discover and pursue uh, their passions while they're in high school and to do real work while they're in high school. So it's not just about learning a bunch of uh, bits of knowledge that you might one day use down the line, but learning things in a real context and be able to apply them right away to take action on what you're learning. What does real work mean in that school? So so real work is about uh, students creating products and artifacts that real people use. So if they're building, um, if they're learning about entrepreneurship, they're not just like learning about it, they're creating a real business and going out and getting real customers and people to pay. So, um, so we have a student right now who's writing a novel. And so hmm. that's something that he's been working on. And uh, now that he's a part of our school, has committed to you know, knocking out this novel. And he, we're going to try to have it all bound and ready to go by next Thursday, actually, oh my for, gosh. Our, um, yeah, for our museum night. And so, but it's not just like, okay, it was sounded cool that I'm like working on a novel. It's like, no, you know, have it bound, have it like ready for people to buy, you know, at this event where people are coming, you know, another student's working on uh, a basketball tournament. He attended a basketball tournament, like a three on three tournament, uh, maybe a year or two ago and felt like it wasn't as organized as it could be and said, you know, I could do this better and I could make a ton of money doing it possibly. <laughs> And so he's been diving into the details of setting up the website, reserving the gym, um, sending, sending out Facebook ads, and recruiting people to form teams and actually show up at this event. And it's one thing to like learn about entrepreneurship. It's one thing to go through a program, but it's another thing to have to really, you know, show up and make it happen and see if these ideas that you know you were talking about. People will, will someone actually spend money on it? Will someone actually show up? Right. And that's, you know, that's what really what we're about. So all of that sounds really awesome. Like that, I would love to go to a school like that. And it also sounds really hard. So how do you support kids doing that? Yeah, so we have, um, they have time every day to work on their own individual projects. And then they also have time uh, where we're working on a group project together. And so the group project is a really great space for them to build like traditional academic skills around, you know, reading and writing and doing math and whatnot. Um, but for them to also build skills around like project management and things like setting up websites or or having informational interviews with people and things like that. And so we look at their skills as far as like their personal academic and professional growth and try to integrate that into all the projects that they're working on. So there's a ton of like modeling and practicing and feedback. Hmm. Um, and then we've also are, are, are rapidly building a community of people who want to basically be coaches for students to say like, sure, I'll 
chat with them for 15 minutes about writing. I'm a writer, you know, or I, I, um, I'm a journalist. We had someone come by for you know, like an hour or so actually one day and talk about like how he uses uh, technology to address social issues, you know. And so people who are doing this work all over the country are committing to be coaches for students. And so what's nice is that like our model is so interdisciplinary and flexible that, you know, we don't need full-time, we don't need a full-time entrepreneurship coach or a full-time English culture, full-time whatever for like every little thing. But there are tons of resources online and tons of people who really want to connect and work with students. And so they get, you know, these amazing experts, people all around the world who want to work with them. And you can cover a lot in a like 15, 20 minute conversation or a couple emails back and forth and really clarify a lot or learn a lot about a new field. I have so many questions to ask, but I want to back up a bit. Could you tell us briefly what you do in the school? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the founder and principal of the school and also right now the teacher. So, yeah. so everything. <laughs> what do you teach? <laughs> um, so, so we have the, all our classes are interdisciplinary. So I, I, mean, I teach everything right okay. now. And then over time, we'll like add more staff. But we have a team of people uh, who work behind the scenes to do all the operation stuff. So making sure the lights stay on and um, people know about the school and, and we're ready for events and stuff in the community, things like that. Yeah. And how big is your school? How many students? So right now we have four students to start first year. And oh, then okay. we're looking to, yeah, to grow to about 20 or 25 students for next year. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, I was imagining, you know, this class of 100 and you're giving them all this oh, individual yeah. attention. But, okay, so it is hard, but because you have... Um, a smaller number of students right now, it seems like you can support them with what they want. Yeah, and it's, um, especially in their individual projects, it's um, fairly low touch. So when students are working on their own individual projects um, in the afternoons, they're pretty zoomed in. Like I might spend some time with them at the beginning of the project to talk about like how you might start this or approach it. But um, for the most part, they're working independently or they're using online resources. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, YouTube has so much, right? Or they're talking with experts that I've matched them with all over. So as we scale, you know, we will need definitely more staff. But that independent project time, uh, even though the projects are pretty tough for students, they're picking something. And we talk about something that's like in their zone of proximal development, something that's like, and that won't cause them to panic, but isn't too comfortable. Something that's like a just right amount of stretch for their skills and ability. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's a ton of support baked in, um, but also a ton of reasonableness, you know, in what they're doing and what they're working on. Yeah. So there are two questions I want to ask before I forget it. They're they're not directly related, but the first question is: It sounds like your team is pretty critical. Like all those connections you've made are critical for helping your kids. How did you make those connections? And um, the second question uh, is related to educational standards. How do you uh, ensure that your kids are still learning all those basic things that kids across Georgia have to learn? Yeah, so a lot of the connections are people that I've met, people on our team have met, or friends with. I mean, it's uh, a pretty easy ask, I found, to say, hey, you know, you're really great at this. I have a student who's super motivated to do the thing that you do. Can they pick your brain for 20 minutes? And that's something that people are, everyone wants to be the expert at some point, you know? (laughs) And so having the opportunity to share something with a student, uh, people get, you know, really excited about. 
and are, are pretty decent at. We coach the students on how do you have those conversations with people, you know, how do you make sure that you make the most of their time and that sort of thing. But um, people have been really great and willing to to have those conversations and work with students. And so what about meeting those basic standards that I guess every school is supposed to meet? How do you ensure that your your kid who's writing a novel is also learning about the algebra or something else that they have to learn? Yep. So so the first part is that as a private school, we don't have to meet, you know, all of the like, Georgia sure. requirements. Sure. So that's one. So the second part, as a high school, our biggest point of accountability is like parent satisfaction mm-hmm. because they pay tuition and they send their kids here and we want them to feel good about the experience that their students are having. And then the other point of accountability is, I guess there are two others. One is accreditation. And then the, the third piece is um, with college admissions. And so when students are going to apply to college or take AP exams or SAT, ACT exams, um, are they ready? Do they feel good about it? Do they do well? And so, so making sure that they're ready for those exams as well as be able to present their work to colleges mm-hmm. uh, you know, is a big point of accountability. And so, um, so we have uh, a system of, of basically a mastery-based approach where students are developing the skills through their uh, individual projects and through our group projects. So for every group project that we do for learning about something big like dinosaurs, for example, or civil rights, Mm -hmm. um, here are the math skills or science skills, here are um, the humanities-related skills, here are the art and technology-related skills that students are building. Um, But they're all integrated into this really meaningful context. And so it's not like I'm doing math over here and science over there. Um, It's like you're seeing how it all comes together to do something purposeful and to understand some complex real-world topic. Um, But we are able to then unpack using this mastery-based approach of like, okay, we learned a bunch of math here. Now show it to me in this separate space, this separate project that you do individually. So the idea is that like in an interdisciplinary project, they're still learning skills that we're mapping back to separate subjects. And so as they work through these projects, they're earning credit um, for those subject areas. Okay. So this is the engineering, K-12 engineering education podcast. And I'm curious, (laughs) have any of your students started an engineering design project or modeling project? Yeah. So, uh, so we've gone to, there's several actually maker spaces within like 10 minutes of us. And so we've gone to, to do one project so far with a laser cutter and we're mapping out a CNC project, some 3D printing projects. And then some students are also on their own working on video game design and, um, 3D modeling. There's another student interested in, uh, who, who does like music production. And, uh, so he's been using, like music software and so I've been trying to show him ways that you can create music with code and so there are a lot of like interesting integrations where students are bringing in technology uh, into connecting them to their own interests like web design and graphic design and stuff like that too. Do you teach them a structured design process or they're all kind of self-discovering the method to create things? So some of their projects are like, I'm really curious about making this game. And they already know exactly what they want to make. And so they just try and like poke around and see what they can come up with. And then other times we work through a more structured process. We use the Google Ventures design sprint, their five-day design sprint. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in our group projects, we start with, it's like a six-week cycle. And so the first two weeks, 
uh, where just learning about the topic, going on trips, talking to experts, trying to understand it. And then the second two weeks, we uh, use their design process to define a design question. So how might we do something and then work through it to build a prototype, test it, and then build a hi-fi prototype and publish it. That, that's awesome. That's like the goal of a lot of engineering teachers in other schools. How did you develop this? Like basically, how did life school start and how did you develop this philosophy? Yep. So my background is in computer science. I studied CS at MIT. And so there was a ton of hands-on um, work there. I remember in my first computer science class, we built MapQuest. It was like Google Maps at the time. And so that was just like really eye-opening to think about all the things you have to think about. And we just mapped out the city of Boston. Uh, and so that was just, it was really helpful to understand the way that software design and how complex it can be. So from MIT, I moved to California, worked as a software developer, and then realized that I'd done a lot of like youth development and community service growing up and in college, and I missed that. And so I was working at this huge enterprise company and just didn't get a lot of that. And so I started volunteering at a school where I ended up teaching. And so hmm. I taught this high school in California and also worked in the boarding program. And, uh, and that was a great experience just to see what students were thinking about day to day, what they were working on, how um, how I might develop other students who were excited about the things that I was excited about in math and computer science, and how do you, how do you effectively convey your enthusiasm for something, you know, to other people? And so I built a lot of interpersonal skills and um, teaching and learning skills through that. But the most interesting piece was working in the boarding program, and and seeing you know what students were like at the end of the day. I think you know, students, for the most part, learn how to sit quietly and do their work in class and, and have their, like, classroom persona. And then the evenings, they just kind of, like, let it all loose. Like, they've been in school for eight or nine hours mm -hmm. and they're tired. You know, they still have more homework. And so I saw a lot of um, what they liked about school, but also what they were frustrated about. And, um, and also got to know what they were passionate about and what they were concerned about in their communities. And, and we would be having these really great conversations about um, something happening in, in the town where we were, or something happening in Oakland or another town or project they were really excited about and then have to like cut it off, like just stop the conversation in the middle of something really compelling um, and then go do homework or something else. And it was just like, well, we were learning, like we were having a really important conversation. Like, why can't that, why did that have to stop, you know, for something else? Um, that's not as engaging and felt more um, disconnected yeah. from the things that they are really passionate and excited about. And so, and so I began thinking, like, what else could high school look like? So students are still prepared for college, um, but that their their passions and interests and concerns for the world have more of a place in their learning and their school day. What you major in is is so, and what you major in in college and the career that you choose to pursue comes from the things that you're interested in. And if you don't have a place to really explore those things, it's hard to know, you know, what you would most enjoy doing to for the rest of your life, possibly. So, so that's something that we really value having that space to explore. That boarding experience sounds pretty pivotal. It was like a practice session, in a way, of what life school could be. Mm -hmm. Is life school a boarding or residential school as well? No, so it's not a residential school. Uh, boarding. Boarding programs are, are tough. Getting someone who wants to live with teenagers. Right. <laughs> um, that's, that's a big commitment. But um, but just taking the, the insights or, or observations from the boarding program, but bringing those into the school day. 
Mm-hmm. So um, having those conversations with students, digging into really complex ideas about the world, and, and then seeing how learning can happen from like this one spark of curiosity. So a student recently was reading um, Freakonomics, and he just thought it was interesting stories. And so we started unpacking each chapter. And there's so much about the world. There's so much about economics. There's so much about so many things in that book. Um, but just because, like, we had that time to sit together and talk about the book, you know, we were able to to cover a lot of interesting things. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you ever run into any conflicts with the students where maybe the students, they want to pursue what they want to learn, but maybe you or their mentors think, hey, they should also study this thing because it might expand their understanding. How do you deal with when that happens? Um, I would say that students are for the most part pretty open to learning new things. I think it's a big part of it is a presentation. So is it connected to something they're already interested in? So if we're going to talk about politics or if we're going to talk about Or engineering, math, for example. Engineering, right? Like connecting it to something that they're already interested in and why might this skill help them get further along the path of, of the thing that they're interested in. So I had a student who's, the ones who's, who's working on video game design and so he's focusing on the coding piece right now. But I was like, well, you also might want to think about like the visual elements of it and creating your own characters. And so he started working on drawing and then also on, you know, the 3D modeling. And then another student who's the video production or music production, you know, it's like, well, think about the coding because you can, there's a, there are other ways to create music. And so he's like, oh, I don't code. That's not for me. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. But then I started showing him like, well, here's a way, you know, that you can write code and have this skill. Um, and also create music in a different way. And then it's like, oh, okay, you know, like maybe that's not strange. And then, um, so that's one thing. So like connecting it to their interests. And the second thing is we try to focus on uh, authentic, more organic ways of learning. So if we were going to learn engineering or we were going to learn history or something, you know, we would use either something that's hands-on or some like video or book that was designed to be engaging. So as opposed to like a classroom, traditional classroom kind of material. So we would go to the makerspace and see all the makers making really cool things and say like, we're going to make something small just to like get your feet wet and then see if you like it, even though this is like random and disconnected from other things you might be interested in. Or like um, we're going to watch like this quick clip from this interesting documentary or television show that just introduces this idea of something that happened in the past or something that's happening right now in the world and see if something about it like piques a question or piques a curiosity, you know, because part of our culture, um, that at least that we're trying to um, really put into place is about being curious. It's not just about like the things that you already know about. It's like, well, there are tons of other things happening in the world, yeah. tons of other things that you could be learning. So continue to learn, continue to ask questions or start or start doing that. You know, if that's not something that was already part of your practice. So every morning, you know, we're building in like every morning we check our email. Every morning we update our goals. Every morning we like check the news and see what's happening out there and talk about it, you know. Yeah. So it's important no matter what your kids are studying, it sounds like that you really have to know your kids and what they're exploring and what they might be interested in. And I keep thinking, wow, that that must take some time. Can I ask how much is tuition for a kid? That's sure. So, we, yeah, we have a sliding scale from 8000 to 16000 So families can pick. So that's um, per year? That per year, exactly. Okay. 
Wow. And so you can find the resources to, to educate these kids in that way with just that much. I don't know. I guess I would, I'm a little surprised because I know other, res- well, maybe because of the residential schools, they're a lot more expensive. Um, right. Residential school will certainly be closer to 50, sure. but, um, but, but so a private school would probably be like 20 to 30. Right. And so that's still less than I would have thought if you're going to give that much attention and, and do all this stuff. How do you manage to, to do that? Well, I think part of it is that we don't need like a person for every subject area. For me, I'm thinking about hiring and staffing going forward. To me, what's more interesting is what people call like renaissance people, mm-hmm. people who know a lot about a lot of different things and can help students make those connections. So like a dancer who's also an engineer or like a writer who loves art or history, you know, like someone who can really make make um, compelling connections for students across lots of different areas and show show students what it's like to be curious and show students what it's like to have lots of different interests. There's some quote that's like you should build expertise in two completely different areas and then where you really be able to do something interesting or do something creative is where these you find the connection point between these two disparate interests that you have, passions that you have. Someone who might be really great at helping students with their writing could also help them with math or help them understand history, historical ideas. And so we don't need a person for, for every topic. Yeah. Still finding that right person is really important right. too. But I guess you rely on your connections. Right, exactly. And and uh, and podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, of course. So if anyone's listening who's a great right. uh, engineer and renaissance person, they can contact you. Exactly. Yeah, so so that's part of it is that we don't need an ex- like a whole a lot of staff. Um and also that um we have a lot of different people who are volunteering to work with students part-time and in these like coaching roles to give expertise that like we can't have a you know a a world famous journalist or you know whatever here every day. But if that person's available somewhere else, you know, and can Skype in then then that's that's a huge benefit for students without like taxing our our budget too much. Yeah, I've heard that that's the trend now. A lot of schools want a lot of mentors to to Skype in or visit and it sounds like that's what you're trying to do too. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's and so it's not just for the you know the the career day. You can do it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I do but it's like I'm working on my book. Can you help me, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. In the final minutes here can you tell me about your future plans? You already started talking about staff and hiring, but what do you see the life school becoming down the road? Yeah, so we definitely want to grow this current campus and then expand to other cities. Um, the hope is that we would have different campuses on different different um, cities around the world. And so that a student could say, I'm really curious about um, what Barcelona is like. I'm really curious about what Johannesburg is like. And to be able to go there and to work with local students and local staff, and even for our staff, to be able to go to different campuses in different parts of the world and to be able to continue the same uh, approach to learning that they would get here, but to be able to do it in somewhere else, sort of like a, um, do you know about these co-workations? No, I haven't. Where you go, like you go on a co-working vacation. Okay. And so you're continuing to work. But you're in Thailand. Okay, you know what? I never heard that word, but one of my brothers is doing that right now, and so okay. so I am familiar. 
Yeah, so, okay. so exactly that. So that you could go somewhere else and see that other place, but continue to work, continue to work towards, you know, high school graduation, college admissions and that sort of thing, but really get to explore the world because so much of it is students be able to explore their own interests, but it really is that other piece of there's a ton of things that you don't know and having that opportunity for exposure to, to life beyond yeah. what you already know, what you already see. Uh, that makes me think in the future, I'd, if you don't have it now, I'd still really love to see the data. Basically, what do your students go on to do or what do students who go, who have an education with this philosophy, how do they, how do they turn out, I guess? Absolutely. We have some juniors now, so we'll, we'll have some of that pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll keep up on that. Thanks so much, Michaela. I think that that's all I have time for, but did you have any last tips for any engineering teachers or any other educators who are listening? Uh, I think the big thing, and from teaching computer science and also working with students on engineering skills now, is that often we teach engineering in the silo, just like we do math and history and all these other subjects. But engineering, when you're building, you're building bridges that people will drive over in real cities, you know, next to other real things. And um, bringing in that human element, that human-centered design um, in that context into engineering classes, I think it makes it all the more powerful and also allows students who are not sure if they, they don't necessarily see themselves as an engineer, they haven't taken on that identity yet. It allows them to say, oh, I can connect my love of, you know, civic issues. I can connect my love of art, you know, to engineering because it has this human element. And so just like we talk about connecting math and science and history together, connecting engineering into that conversation makes it all the more powerful. Thank you. And if anyone wants to contact you, where can they find you? Yes. Yeah, so on our website, thelifeschool.co, there is a, a web form. And so it'll go right to me and I can and get in touch with them and chat about anything they have questions on. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, Michaela. Well, thanks for talking with me. This was great. Yeah, you're very welcome. That was Michaela Streeter of The Life School. I'm definitely interested in how The Life School evolves. And if you're interested too, you can find links to The Life School and Michaela's contact information and to other resources that were mentioned today in the show notes for this episode. If you have questions or comments for me, please leave a rating or review or comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, Reddit, or wherever you can find me. Find that info at k12engineering.net. Our opening music comes from School Zone by the Honorable Sleaze, who's also on SoundCloud, so go check them out. Our closing music is from Late for School by Bleep Tour. Both are used under Creative Commons attribution licenses. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S dot com. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. Just an update on South by Southwest in 2017. One of the workshops I'm presenting is at South by Southwest Interactive. That's the big festival about technology and games and all that good stuff. And fittingly, that workshop is called Improv and Art Games for Designers and Engineers. It'll focus on the part of the design process where you have to generate ideas for solutions. And my colleague Rachel is going to help me run it. It'll be really fun. So if you can make it, I hope to see you out there.